I cannot imagine the frustration the people at the PGA Tour headquarters feel when they hear that yet another PGA Tour player has decided to go to the Live Golf Tour. I mean, there are a lot of reasonable questions that would pop into one's mind about this move. Why would anybody want to leave the PGA Tour? We have created numerous career opportunities for numerous professional golfers. We are a large entity in global golf entertainment. We have tons of feeder tours offering younger professional golfers an opportunity to get into the professional golf space. Why would anybody want to leave that? Well, I can answer that question for you. It's all about the money. Welcome to the Rough Golf Podcast, episode number 20. I'm your host, Jake Harris. Thank you so much for joining me today. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of this podcast, I would like to ask you guys to please leave a rating and review. Let me know what you think about the pod. I really appreciate it, and it helps out the channel. Okay, so Live Golf has got another great player from the PGA Tour that's going to be added to their 2023 season. I'm not sure if any of you have heard of him but uh, he is a really, really solid golfer, and I'm going to share some of his stats with you in this podcast. But Mito Pereira, I hope I've said that correctly, is the latest golfer to sign on the dotted line for the Live Golf Tour season 2023. Now, some of you may not know Pereira, but he is a truly fantastic golfer, something that I can tell you to refresh your memory, okay? I want to take you back in time, all right? We're hopping in the great time-traveling golf cart, and we're going back to the PGA Championship of 2022, where Mito Pereira is on the 72nd hole. He's got a one-stroke lead over Justin Thomas and Will Zalatoris. Standing on the 72nd tee, he decides that he is going to take his driver and rip it down the fairway. Well, he tees up. He's in his backswing. He hits the ball, and it goes right into the water. He ends up making a double bogey on that 72nd hole and finishing T3. But he came so close to being the winner of the 2022 PGA Championship. That's how good Mito Pereira is. All right? This guy can ball. Now, another really cool fact about Mito Pereira is uh, he played on the Corn Ferry Tour. And if you guys aren't familiar with what the Corn Ferry Tour is, it is like the minor leagues of golf. It's the feeder tour for the actual PGA Tour, and it's based in North America. PGA has quite a few feeder tours. There's PGA Latin America, PGA Canada. There's a, there's a ton of different feeder tours, but the Corn Ferry Tour is like the main North American feeder tour into the actual PGA Tour. So Mito Pereira was on the Corn Ferry Tour, and he actually earned a battlefield promotion, okay? Now, in order to get a battlefield promotion, you have to win three Corn Ferry Tour events. I just want you guys to stop and take a second and think of how difficult that is, all right? You've got some of the top professional golfers on the Corn Ferry Tour working as hard as they possibly can to get to the big show, okay? It is a grind for everyone out there. Everyone out there is trying to play their best golf and doing everything they possibly can to get off of the Corn Ferry Tour and onto the PGA Tour. And one thing to remember, at the Corn Ferry Tour level, these guys are having to still pay out a lot. I mean, a lot of these players who are not in the top level on the Corn Ferry Tour are still paying for lodging, 
still paying for transportation. Yeah, they have sponsors that maybe give them some, some clothing, maybe some equipment, but they're not getting paid uh, big bucks by the sponsors that will cover their travel and their expenses. That, a lot of that's coming out of their pocket, you know, not to mention their, their fees to actually go in and participate in the actual event. So it's, it's a, a very expensive, very difficult time for a young professional golfer trying to get into the PGA Tour. So it's a, it's a war zone for, for the Corn Ferry Tour. So the fact that Mito Pereira could win three individual events on the Corn Ferry Tour, automatically earning a battlefield promotion directly to the PGA Tour, speaks to how good this guy is. He's a really good golfer. So his transition from the PGA Tour moving into the Live Golf Tour makes sense, okay? He now has the ability to compete in a field of top-tier golfers. Not saying that the golfers on the PGA Tour aren't top-tier, but you've got a lot of big names that have left the PGA Tour and that have gone to the Live Golf Tour. Let's say, as a young golfer, and I think Mito Pereira is maybe 27 years old, uh, as a young golfer, you want to compete against uh, Dustin Johnson or Bryson DeChambeau or Phil Mickelson, anything like that. You're only going to have that opportunity on the Live Golf Tour now, unless you are somehow able to get into the Masters, okay? Since that new release, I did a podcast on that about how uh, the Masters is now going to allow Live Golf Tour players who uh, qualify uh, to play in the Masters, and that's going to be amazing. I cannot wait to see that, but so now Mito Pereira can compete against some of those big top names. Maybe he wants to compete with those names, and that's the only opportunity that he's going to get. That was completely understandable. Although I think that there is uh, a main issue that we need to bring up, um, and I've mentioned it before, but I really believe all of these defections, if you're a PGA Tour guy or uh, gains or advancements, if you're a Live Golf Tour guy, stems from money, payout. Professional golfers are just like any other athlete. I don't know why people out there who love the PGA Tour think that somehow professional golfers should be averse to getting paid well for what they do, or they get paid enough. Who are we to say how much a professional golfer should get paid? The demand of the market should dictate how much the pay is, all right? If golfers truly got paid uh, for their skill and their ability on the PGA Tour, Live Golf would have never been created. The guys that created Live Golf saw an opportunity for money to be made, saw an opportunity to bring some change from tradition of the sport and how it's played at the professional level, which is a good thing. Change can be a good thing, especially for sports. It increases interest, it draws new people in, and that grows the sport. And that's what I would like to see for the sport of golf. But these guys that have made that transition, they're doing it for the pay, okay? They want to be paid for their skills. Just like I've said before, a ball player, whether it be baseball, basketball, football, we wouldn't bat an eye if they moved from one team to another because they get some fat contract, okay? Nobody would do that. So that's just what's happening in the golf world. These guys are saying, hey, I can play for 20 or 30 years for the PGA Tour, and at the end of my playing career, let's say they don't go on to the Champions Tour, so that's normally around 50-55, most guys decide whether or not they want to go into the Champions Tour. 
they decide that they're just going to retire. Okay, so let's say over all those events, the end of the PGA Tour, they have amassed $20 million. I'm not sure what the average is for those guys who are in the middle of the road and who finish out their career, not really, you know, shining, but also not uh, totally being at the bottom of the list either. But let's say they average, you know, 20 million total winnings and all that stuff. Well, that's 20 million. Okay. If you were to go into a live golf tour event, you could make that in a season. All right. If you're playing good enough, you can make that in a season or you make it for your sign on bonus, which isn't going to be around forever. Okay. That's dwindling because they've already started to build enough interest in live golf that they won't have to offer those big sign-on bonuses to draw players in because players are going to see how much money these other guys are making and they're going to say, hey, wait a minute, maybe this is a good decision for my career. So money talks. I mean, you can see it. And the fact that people are upset with these golfers for making this move is just crazy to me. I mean, why on earth would you want to be mad at a golfer for making this decision? I just don't get it, okay? They're doing what's best for their career. They have a limited playing window. They want to make as much money as they possibly can. And that's okay. We shouldn't be mad at that. I mean, they worked all their life to build this great golfing skill. Why not capitalize on that? Why not go over to Live Golf Tour and get paid a lot more? And as a reaction, you can see what's happening. The PGA Tour has decided to raise its purses for the 2023 season. They've got these four elevated events whatever that means. Maybe they're going to be playing up in Colorado or some kind of high elevation or something like that. I don't know. But they're saying that there's going to be purses of at least $20 million. The Players' Championships, $25 million purse. So you're seeing a direct reaction of what's happened with Live Golf, where they've raised the, the purses. Now PGA is saying, ooh, to compete, to keep this talent, we need to raise the purses too because money talks. Golfers want to make money. They're not out there doing it for their health. They're not out there doing it for anything else. I'm sure some of them will say they have other reasons, and I believe that some of them do have other reasons. They love the sport. They enjoy their job of being a professional golfer. They want to win trophies. I don't see any of them turning down the prize money. Do you? No, absolutely not, because they want to make a living, and that's how they're going to make a living playing golf. They take the prize money. Everybody wants to win. Who wouldn't want to walk away with a million dollars after playing four days of golf? I mean, come on, you're getting paid to play. That's cool. But these guys that say it isn't about the money, I just, I have to step back and ask myself, is that really true? If that's the case, why are you taking the purses if you win? Why not just take the trophy and the accolades of saying you came in the first spot? Why are you uh, accepting that million dollar check? I think money may have something to do with it. That's why I think most of these professional players are making that conscious decision to say, hey, how much longer do I have playing my best golf? Do I want to spend it at the PGA Tour? Or do I want to spend it at Live Golf, which is offering much higher purses, much more money, much more bang for your buck than the PGA Tour? Plus, there's no cut, and I only have to play 54 holes. More time with my friends and family. That's pretty cool. Now, I don't want you to get the wrong idea and think that I'm some sort of live fanboy. I like golf on the whole. I want to see multiple professional tours out there competing at the same time. I want there to be so much golf that more and more people get interested in it and it becomes a much larger sport globally. So having a ton of professional tours is is good in my book. I mean, I don't if somebody came out in the next year, 2023, and decided to launch two more professional golf tours with a different design, different play style, I think that would be cool. 
I'm not just advocating for the Live Golf Tour. I grew up watching the PGA Tour uh, events with my grandfather. I've been to professional PGA Tour events, Kings Mill up in Maryland, and I've enjoyed the entertainment that they provide and watching these professional golfers uh, show their craft. So I think there's space for everybody in the global golfing community. And I'm tired of seeing all this fighting, okay? What this is specifically saying is that these golfers want more money. Is the PGA going to offer more money? And of course, they have that PIP, that player's money for really important players to come out and promote the sport and, and try to get the players more involved with the community and things like that. So that, that is a way to pay back to some of their star players that create the draw. And one thing that I'm sure a lot of people don't understand is that some of these players get appearance money. And when these golfers get appearance money, it brings the big crowds. I mean, would you rather go to a golf match where you don't know any of the professional golfers on the roster? Maybe one or two, you know, maybe maybe someone like uh, uh, Justin Thomas or something like that is on the, the roster and you know him. But who else do you know? You know what I mean? You want to go where you can see a ton of like household names, at least for the golfing community. You want to see those elite players play. They got those names because they're really good players. They got the attention. They got the press. They got people focusing on them because of their playing ability. If you have a handful of guys that are fresh off the Corn Ferry Tour, unless you're really into golf and following the Corn Ferry Tour, you may not know who they are. And they can play really, really good golf. But they're just not that big name draw. You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't bring the crowds like if you hear Tiger Woods' name or... Dustin Johnson or Phil Mickelson or any of those star players. It just doesn't bring people an interest around the tournament. So the sponsors want that, all right? And the PGA Tour, in order to retain those guys, needs to up their money. Now, they've, they've started. They're raising the purses. They mentioned those four elevated events with raised purses, which is a good thing. They're introducing more money into the PIP, which is a good thing. Get some of those uh, high-level players some more money to keep, to keep and retain that talent. But I want to ask you guys a specific question, okay? I'm going to put each and every one of you, all right, in, in this situation and see how you would respond, okay? Let's say that all of you out there listening are D1 college golfers, okay? And if you're not from the U.S., a, a D1 college golfer is a really, really, really good golfer who is likely going to turn pro. For example, Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth are two prime examples of D1 college golfers, okay? These guys are at the top of their game in collegiate golf. So that's where you are right now. Let's say you're a junior or a senior in your last few years of college and you are about to enter the professional world of golf as a D1 golfer. You've, you've been there, you've won multiple matches for your college, and you've got the skill to play at a professional level. Now, you've got two choices to make. Do you go for the PGA Tour and begin their process of going through the Corn Ferry Tour and either qual Monday qualifying and getting onto the Corn Ferry Tour or going through a Q school or something like that? Or are you going to consider the Live Golf Tour? I'm sure there are going to be uh, positions available for up-and-coming golfers. I mean, Live Golf does want to attract big names right now, but some of those guys are going to eventually retire and they're going to have some sort of feeder tour eventually that is going to supply the live golf tour as a college golfer would you rather start off in the path for the pga tour 
or start off in the path for the Live Golf Tour. Given what we know about the difference in uh, purses and the size of the winnings and the team atmosphere, that's a lot of questions to ask. Previous to the Live Golf Tour, you were going on the PGA Tour. That was really the only track that you had unless you were in Europe and you could play DP World Tour. And you were gonna, it was going to be you and your caddy, and that was it. Uh, now, you've got the team element to consider. Do you want to play on a team of golfers, or do you want to be an independent golfer and go for the PGA Tour? And I think that is an excellent distinction between the two tours and what will make both of their styles of play unique and interesting to different types of people. That's why the more tours, the better. The, the more differences in tours, the better. It's just it's like watching almost an entirely different game in a way. But as a collegiate golfer, you've got that choice to make. If I were a collegiate golfer, I would be looking heavily at the Live Golf Tour. More high-paying tour than the PGA Tour. The grind on the PGA Tour is tough, okay? Just from an outsider's perspective, it looks tough. The Live Golf Tour offers a, a much more, um, shall we say, relaxed playing atmosphere. You can wear shorts. You've got 54 holes. There's no cut. All those things are good things for uh, a golfer to consider. Now, all of these uh, moves from the PGA Tour to Live Golf create um, a new situation and, you know, a new range of things to consider for the PGA Tour. And I think there's going to be a few things that happen, okay? Either the PGA Tour is going to increase their purses for each event and their payouts to their players enough that it's on par with Live Golf, or these players will continue to leave and go to live golf. It, the money talks. I know a lot of you out there want golf to you know, somehow remain pure and, and traditional, but in all honesty, the purest form of golf would be amateurs who are really, really good playing it out for a trophy or an award, not for million-dollar purses, okay? It just the, the, the purity of golf has been removed when you monetize it, all right? It just doesn't. It doesn't work out. So these guys going to live golf, there's nothing unpure about that. They just want to make more money. It's just the purses are bigger. I get it. I think most people should understand that, that these golfers are making the decision for their career, and that is a good thing. Guys, if you've enjoyed this podcast, then please leave a rating or review. I'd really appreciate it. It really helps out the channel. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, keep on swinging. Oh, 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 oh,